Hi, this is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Jessica Leahy. Jessica is an educator and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, The Gift of Failure, How the Best Parents Learn to Let Go So Their Children Can Succeed. Hi, Jess. Welcome to Family Confidential. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for making the time. Um, I know you've been out on the road and... Now that you're home, here I am invading your space again with some more media requests. But um, I'm really interested in your book because I, too, believe there is a gift in every mistake and failure. But before we get into unwrapping the gift, can you please define the word failure? (laughs) It's a great (laughs) question. So, yeah, I really it's failure itself is is not exactly, you know, the main point of what I'm trying to achieve here. I don't want kids to fail. I want kids to have this sort of adapt, positive adaptive response to making mistakes, to feeling like maybe they didn't get everything they needed to get right, or they don't look perfect in every single second. Um, unfortunately, when I go talk to parents these days, failure for them is now meaning like, ooh, a B minus, that's <laughs> failure. Um, so really, it's, it's one of those things that's open to um, your own interpretation. Okay. So um, I know parents hate the word and they will go to great lengths to keep their children from falling below whatever line they have set up as the bar you need to uh, at least reach or exceed. I actually um, got a question once where a mother said, yes, yes, this is all nice and wonderful, but what if your kid is really failing? I mean, like really failing. And I said, well, you know, just to define our terms, are we talking about failing out of school or are we talking about a B minus? And she had to admit she was talking about a B minus. Wow. Okay. So yeah. let's talk about trends a little bit because this hypervigilance and this hyperfixation on um, success mm-hmm. seems to be um, hyped up in recent years. <laughs> and I'm wondering if maybe you could take a look back to mm-hmm. when you were a student. And the uh, question is, have things changed? And if so, why do you think so? Well, I think things have changed. I think even in the past, you know, 30 years, um, we've sort of amped up this feeling of constant urgency that not only are our children in constant threat of being abducted on every street corner, but also, you know, the media is trying to convince us that it's harder for our kids to get into our, into college. And the reality is it's not harder for kids to get into college. It's harder for kids to get into about 50 colleges. So, you know, we, we've sort of been sell, sold this uh, bill of panic goods from the media. And then at the same time, you know, we're having kids, fewer kids after we've been out in the workforce and after we've been had more education and the stakes just feel really high to us all the time. And that feeling of panic, that feeling of emergency is really contagious. So when we start talking about it, we sort of feed each other's panic about, you know, exactly how high the stakes feel at every moment, right. which sure is it unfortunate. It doesn't help when parents get together and do resume comparisons <laughs> when your kid is in kindergarten and yeah. what after school activities have you gotten in? Did they yeah. get an A plus in sandbox or only an A? <laughs> What's going on well, here? <laughs> I actually wrote a post, I wrote a, a piece for the Atlantic one time called why back to school night made me feel like a bad parent because I went off to back to school night. I think my kid was in like fifth grade and I was feeling really good. The kids were home playing guitar and playing Minecraft and everyone was happy and homework had been done. And I got to school and this kind of, you know, hearing what all the other kids had been doing in their time since school had ended was, you know, like 
all these advanced cello lessons and math. Learning Chinese. I know. And, you know, I got to feel a little panicky. And even Mm. me, I got to feel a little panicky. And I think it was, you know, it is contagious, this feel of, you know, this one-upsmanship that we sort of hand out in those situations or on the sidelines at the soccer game or whatever that is. Okay, so we've we've acknowledged that, yeah, the competition between parents has probably always been there and last 30 years definitely amping up um it's maybe pro survival in in this mythology that um colleges are it's a scarcity your kid if doesn't get into stanford they will be in your basement till they're 40 and all this stuff so what do we do about it one, well, when I mean, it you comes can't down- you can't control the entire right. you know the media and right. and all this fear that's being fed to us or other parents' attitudes. So, what can we as individual parents in our home do? You know, I think the very first thing I always tell parents to do is start thinking a little more long term and stop panicking about these little moments, like whether this homework assignment is perfect or whether this soccer game was as perfect as it could be. If we start thinking about home about Uh, child rearing as a more long-term thing. It's a long-haul project. And if we could start thinking a lot more and modeling for our kids that what we care about the most is the process, Mm -hmm. the process of learning, the process of, you know, fixing something, that's where the learning happens. And, you know, we say all the time, yeah, what we really care about is the learning. But I think what we show kids is that what we really care about are the grades and the scores and the trophies and the honors. So if we could start really modeling for them that what we really do care about is the process of becoming and the process of learning, then um, I think we could start having conversations about how to be better people and how to do better next time, as opposed to berating ourselves for when we fall short of perfection. This this is brilliant. So not (laughs) only, no, I'm saying this because right now I'm in the process of a project on the floor Mm -hmm. in my kitchen and um, I have the small table that had 10 wooden slats over the top. It had been out in the rain for way too long. We got over 85 inches of rain here in in San Francisco Bay area this year. And uh, so some of the slats warped. So I said to myself, I'm going to get these replaced. Uh I'm going to go to the lumber yard. I'm going to get these slats cut to, Mm -hmm. to size. I'm going to, find the right paint. I'm going to paint them. It's a process. It's, it's been, right. um, right. it's probably been four days. Now I don't have any children living at home, but what I love, I'm learning a whole lot. Right. I am. I'm learning tremendous. There is problem solving all along the way. Mm-hmm. And, and this idea of, of talking about it's mm-hmm. a process. That's what it's all right. learning, honey, <laughs> uh, versus in your own life. Yeah. Showing your kids, mm-hmm. you, yourself, on a project, in process. Yep. Yep. Um, wow. So can you well, give an example other than my kitchen table? <laughs> well, I think there's a the reason that the chapter in the book on grades talks about the fact that at home, in this one place where we really can control sort of all of the messaging, why not talk more about goals than grades? Because goals are these things that you control and that your kids can control. And in that process, I say the hard part is, though, the parents have to have some goals too. And we have to talk about our own failures. We have to talk about, you know, there are actually, it's funny you bring up your project because in the other room, there are about 20 doorknobs and little pieces of things that I'm 
currently having to untangle because I, I didn't organize them very well and I threw them all in a big box and now I'm paying the price for that because I have to go through and figure out what goes with what. And at the same time, my son, his workshop downstairs is a disaster. So instead of saying, why don't you go organize your shop because it'll be good for you, I can show him. I can say, look, I made a mess of this because I wasn't thinking ahead in any kind of way and I was just rushing through it. So, yeah, I really screwed this up. Here's what I'm going to do to do better myself next time. Because he knows I'm not perfect. It's not like preserving this illusion of perfection is working on him. So. So um, suppose you're giving these wonderful, nurturing and, and realistic messages at home and your kid has a teacher who um, doesn't necessarily share your values. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been a teacher for almost 20 years and, and I've certainly had a progression where, you know, there were times when I'm in my early in my career as a teacher, especially that I'm really ashamed to admit that I was like, yeah, but what about the grade? And you're just not pulling your weight. And what about the grade? And what about the grade? And in fact, before I started writing for the New York Times, there was an article about a blog post I'd put up where I had done this to my students. They had failed a quiz that I had given them three times. And instead of looking at my own teaching, I blamed them. Instead of saying, wow, I've really screwed this up for you guys and have not taught this very well. I didn't do that. All I did was put it back on them and say, why are you not studying enough? Um, But I think the more that we can show kids that I do it with my students, I do it with my own kids, the more I'm able to say, you know, let's have conversations about this, about why things aren't going right. Because when it comes to college and coming back around to the college thing, kids who can self-advocate are going to get a great education anywhere, I believe. Um, but kids who can't problem solve, think for themselves, have conversations with adults, uh, those kids are going to be in big trouble, even at really nurturing, you know, mm-hmm. high-level schools. Yeah, and also I'm thinking about if those kids are so focused on the grade and the grade is a B mm-hmm. instead <laughs> of an A, they crumble. And yeah. so they can't, yeah. they can't even talk about it anymore. Well, and it turns out that it's not just that, so with all these extrinsic motivators like grades and points and scores and all that stuff, we know, thanks to a whole bunch of research, that it gets in the way of our kids' motivation to learn, but it also gets in their way of their ability to learn. Because if we overparent kids and we give them every single step along the way, first do this, then do this, and here, let me help you with that, and now do this, and now do that, we create kids that don't know how to problem solve themselves. They don't have also the emotional wherewithal they need in order to get frustrated. And two of the most powerful teaching tools I have require that kids can sit with a little bit of frustration, desirable difficulties and formative assessments. And the only way that kids can benefit from those two teaching tools are to be able to be frustrated and to bounce back from being frustrated. Yeah, and so some of the work that I do has to do to help kids de-stress whenever they are frustrated or hurt or jealous. It's the same thing. Something comes up in you that just shuts off your rational mind. And if that part of your brain is where you need to be at to do your best problem solving, you've got to figure out a way to turn off the switch of those really intense emotions. And well, the and slow, also the slow those, deep breath or whatever it is. Yeah, um, yeah. Those intense emotions also shut down our ability to learn. It really, the, you know, as you well know, it's yeah. it, the fastest way to shut down learning is to stress out um, yeah. over something. And so, any and you know, I do all kinds of things with my students. Have them write a little bit about whatever it is they're scared about, and that lowers mm-hmm. anxiety. Or talk about it with me, um, both with my kids and my students. There's so many great um, strategies for that. So thank you, know, you it, for the stuff you teach. 
it's 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 interesting and it works. Yeah. And yeah. and and so if you can introduce these simple tools to kids, like going. Yeah. If you can introduce yeah. that and reinforce it, they will see instantly, you know, I do feel better. Well, and that's why I'm so crazy about some of the mindfulness techniques that they're doing with kids. And I'll go into classrooms and see that they're just having the kids take a few deep breaths before that's class right. begins, or they're having them, you know, think about think about where they're most happy and break, take some breaths. That stuff's amazing at the beginning of class, but we're always so rush, rush, rush. We have yeah. to get through all this material. Um, but stopping for a minute and letting kids just breathe, I think is one of the most important things we can do. Yeah. And especially if what you, if you're faced with a test, okay. So math <laughs> was not my favorite thing. And, and <laughs> math tests, yeah, math tests used to like really freak me out. And the idea of recognizing I am completely shut down right now. Mm -hmm. I am figuring out what's going to happen tomorrow yep. when this test comes back graded and what are the ramifications yeah. of that, et cetera, et cetera. Instead to recognize, okay, I am in no place right now to right. even look at question right. number three. Right. If yeah. I have that level of mindfulness to stop right then mm -hmm. and take a slow, deep breath, mm -hmm. not only am I going to feel more in control, but I know from what I've studied about the brain is that my access to the short-term memory, which is the stuff yep. I studied and reviewed I last know. night, is actually going to be accessible to me. Wow. Yep. And hope you, hopefully you got a good night's sleep too. So um, hold on. Speaking of, uh, speaking of problems, I have a child who's waving frantically. Go out in the other room, doofus. I'm recording an interview. See, this is what happens. You have children who don't have the ability to do a little bit of impulse control, and we end up with this. So <laughs> should be done in a few minutes, sweetie. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's all right. We're fine. He's miming over there, and I can, I can actually hold an interview while my 13-year-old child is miming at me from across the room. Well, that's... That shows that you've got yeah. a lot of self-control and mindfulness because you're just looking right at the camera as if it didn't happen. Um, I've, it, it, that's one of those wonderful t tricks we learn when we work at home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Actually, um, one time during an interview, my backyard caught on fire and I was actually- Literally. Literally caught on fire. It did. <laughs> and, you, and you finished the interview. I did. I actually answered questions while looking out the window and having the fire chief uh, reprimand me for not getting a fire permit from my backyard that was on fire. I love it. And you learned something from that experience. I absolutely so I don't did. know that it was a failure, but it might yeah. have been a mistake or an omission. No, it was actually. It was because I had put my ashes out from my wood stove before they were cool. Ah. And I set my backyard on fire. So that I was had a mistake. friend who set her front porch on fire doing that. <laughs> That's a mistake I will never make again because I've go. learned from it. So as we wrap up here, Jess, um, what are your, what's your one main takeaway for parents about this whole thing about anxiety over perfection and mm -hmm. grades and how can we in fact create um, a more realistic and helpful environment in the home, which is the only place where we can create a culture? Yeah, well... Really, what we can do is we can, as I said, start paying more attention to our children's personal goals and personal preferences and what they really love themselves. And rather than, you know, parenting the kid we kind of wish we had instead of the kid that we actually have, we can start thinking more long term about our parenting goals for out there. You know, do we want a kid who can get a perfect score on this quiz right now? Or do we want a kid who can problem solve and figure out how to manage their time in six months or a year or two years? Um, 
And in doing that, I think we also always we have to model for our kids that the most important thing that we can do is be there for each other to support each other and no matter what happens to learn from the experience because when we fall apart when we don't can't sort of keep ourselves together in the moment when something falls apart um, we can't really model that for our kids either so I think I you know as much lip service as I love to pay to you know positive adaptations to failure and um, talking to our kids about positive adaptations to failure what they really see is how I handle my own failures and yeah. I try to talk a lot about what I've learned and not let myself just fall apart in the, in the emergency of the moment. And, and talking with our kids about the mistakes we make is something I think we don't do enough of. No, that's I, I great. Think and, really and, and even if you do fall apart in the emergency of the moment to then later say, you know what, that was a mistake. <laughs> Yeah, actually, what's really funny is I realized the son, the reason my son was waving at me is that he didn't the have backyard his backyard on fire. <laughs> no, no, no. He didn't have his costume ready for when someone was supposed to pick him up in order to go down to the school for something he asked to do. So he's uh-huh. not going to have the right shirt. He's going to have to deal with that. And, um, and you know, it's because of his poor planning, something we talked about yesterday. So eh, he'll be a little embarrassed today not having the right shirt, but I think he'll remember it next time. <laughs> tough love mom i love it i know i know don't isn't it the worst when your mom is the gift of failure mom oh no <laughs> hi honey here's a new gift for you <laughs> enjoy the failure exactly exactly that's great jess we have about 30 seconds left and i'd love for you to give an op- give our viewers and listeners an opportunity to find out where on the web they can learn more about your work you can always find me at jessicalahey.com. And um, I'm on Twitter. And uh, Twitter is a great place for parents and educators, actually, b- despite its reputation sometimes. No, no, it's great. I love it. it it's <laughs> fantastic, especially for educators. Um, but everything you could, and including my podcast and my book and all that kind of stuff, is at jessicalahey.com. Wonderful. Thank you very much for You're the so successful welcome. and the failures of yeah. the work that you do because, um, hey, we're human beings. And, yeah. and if we don't, if we don't learn from our failures, then we're stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and also we don't grow. I mean, really, that's what it's all about is becoming better, more competent human beings in the long run. Ourselves and our kids. Yes, for sure. Thanks again, (laughs) Jess. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. (laughs) Bye-bye. This is Annie Foxer, Family Confidential. To learn more about my work with tweens, teens, and their parents, visit AnnieFox.com. And check out my parenting book, Teaching Kids to Be Good People, Progressive Parenting for the 21st Century, and my latest book, Between Girls, the girls' Q&A book on friendship, 50 Ways to Fix a Friendship Without the Drama. And rate us on iTunes. It helps other folks find the show. Family Confidential Podcast is produced by Electric Egg Plant, creators of books and apps for parents, kids, tweens, and teens. Tune in next time when my guest will be Dr. Robin Silverman. Dr. Silverman is an internationally recognized speaker, author, coach, and educator on parenting, character education, and body image. Until next time, happy parenting. Happy parenting.